Chapter Seven of Cutlass and Cudgel. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, visit LibriVox.org. Cutlass and Cudgel by George Manville Fenn. Chapter Seven. Get away and give the alarm. How could we? There was no rope and pulley on the cliff now and the boat was occupied by the cow. Even if it had been empty, it would have meant a six-mile row to reach a landing place at the time of the tide, and an eight miles walk back. And here was the cutter's gig close to them, and the lieutenant ready to ask him the meaning of the smuggled spirits being there. For there was no mistake the fact that the kegs were full of smuggled spirit. The one the king's men had dragged dripping from the sea bore certain unmistakable markings, and it was evidently brother to those on the rock. Ram and Jenny had no time for thinking. The gig was run quickly up alongside the ledge, and Dick tossed in his oar, sprang out, sending the clear water splashing with his bare feet, as he crossed up to the kegs, and taking one under each arm, went more slowly and cautiously back to the boat, where his messmates took them carefully with many a chuckle and grin, to deposit them beside the others. "'Now, me lads, run her alongside of the cow. I mean of the other boat,' cried the lieutenant. This was quickly done, and the little officer turned sharply to where Ram and Jemmy Dad were seated on the rock, looking on as stolidly as if nothing whatever was coming. "'Hi! You, sir, come here!' cried the lieutenant. "'Me or him?' replied Ram coolly. "'You, sir!' Ram got up, whistled softly, and went down to the boat. "'Want some more milk?' he said with a grin. "'Silence, sir. Do you see those?' "'What, them tubs?' "'Yes, sir.' "'Not till you got em. Wish I had.' "'I dare say you do, sir. Now then, how did they come there?' "'Why, your chaps put em there. I see em just now.' "'No, no, I mean in the sea and on that rock.' "'Come there?' said Bram, with a vacant look. "'Yes, sir.' How did they come there? Now, no trifling, out with it at once. Been a wreck, perhaps, and they washed up? Bah! cried the lieutenant. Ah, you may say bah, but they might. Why, there was a big ship's boat and a jib-boom washed up here one day. Weren't there, Jem? Yes, growled the rough-looking fellow, half-fisherman, half-farm labourer. And don't you remember the big tub of sugar, as was all soaked with water, "'Till she was like treacle?' "'Aye, and the—' "'That will do,' cried the lieutenant. "'Washed up, eh? "'What's in those kegs?' "'I know,' cried Ram, showing his teeth and looking at Archie. "'Full of hoisters. Guess one.' "'Come, sir, this won't do for me. "'You know as well as I do what's in those kegs. "'Where are the rest?' "'Rest?' said Ram, looking round. "'Are there more of them? "'Yes, I'll be bound there are.' Now then, out with it, if you want to save your skin. Skin? That's what father said this morning about the cow. But she wasn't drowned. Look here, boy, all this sham innocency won't do for me. Now then, if you will tell me where the other kegs are, you shall have a reward. If you don't, you'll go to prison as sure as you're there. Jump ashore, two of you, and arrest them before they run. Ram turned and stared at Jemmy Dad, with an ill-used countenance. 
What's he mean, Jemmy? The man shook his head. Do you know where the other little barrels are? Wish I did, grumbled Jemmy. Say, master, what would you give a man if he showed you where they were? Ten guineas, perhaps twenty, said the lieutenant eagerly. Ten guineas? Twenty pounds? said Jemmy, taking off his red worsted cap and rubbing his head. My, was they yourn? Did you lose em? No, roared the lieutenant. It's plain enough, and you know. A cargo as we run here on this ledge. Now then, it's no use to try and hide it. You know where it is. So you will gain a reward by giving evidence, or will you go to prison? Jemmy shook his head and gave Ram a puzzled look. We came after our cow, sir, please, said the latter, looking up at the sailor, who stood with a hand on his arm, while Jemmy did the same. Here, boy, cried the lieutenant. You know what a lot of money ten guineas would be. Yes, said Ram, grinning. Why, you could buy yourself a watch and chain, and be doing your duty to the king as well. Come, did you see a French boat down here last night? No, said Ram. It was so foggy. You are playing with me, sir. Now then, will you answer? I did answer, said Ram meekly. Didn't I, Jemmy? Jump ashore, you two, said the lieutenant, and have a good search all among those rocks. The cargo's there for certain. You two others, he continued, draw cutlasses and keep guard over the prisoners. His orders were obeyed, and the two men stood by guarding Ram, Jenny, and the cow, who blinked her eyes and smelt at the sea-water from time to time, raised her head and uttered a soft low, which was answered from the green top of the cliff two hundred feet above them, where another cow stood gazing down. The lieutenant and Archie stood up in the boat, watching and directing, as Dick and his companions searched about in all directions along the lower ledge, and then managed to climb up to the one twenty feet above, where the next minute Dick gave a shout. Ha! cried the lieutenant joyfully. He has found them. Ram shut one of his eyes at Jemmy, who made a rumbling noise, but his face did not change. What is it, my lad? Cave! cried Dick. What's in it? Lobster pots and old sail, all wore out. Nothing else? No, sir. You go and look. The second man disappeared, but returned directly. It's only a bit of a hole, sir, and there's nothing else. The search was continued and ended, for the ledge was shut in by the mighty wall of rock towering above their heads, and the lieutenant was soon convinced that it was impossible for anyone to climb that without tackle from above. Come back aboard, he said. You two, stop and guard those prisoners. The sailors stepped back into the boat and resumed their oars, to row steadily east for about half a mile past several shallow caves, but they could not see one likely to become a hiding place for smuggled goods, and the rock rose higher and higher above their heads, precluding all ascent. The boat was rowed quickly back past where the prisoners sat contentedly enough, save the cow, which kept making the great rock wall echo with her lowings, while three more of her kind now stood on high, gazing down at her plight. The lieutenant now had himself rowed west for about the same distance, but in all direction they did not pass a crack in the great rock wall, let alone a cave, and once more the gig was rowed back. 
Get back into the boat, said the little officer sharply. Thank you, sir, cried Ram. Come along, Jemmy. Find your little barrels. Come aboard, my lads, continued the lieutenant, without replying to the question. Make fast her painter to the ring-bolt here. This was done, a fresh order given, and with the rough boat and cow in tow, the gig began to make slowly for the cutter. Ram bent his head down in the boat. Hiss, Jimmy, he whispered. Hello. Shall we jump over and swim ashore? Nay, what's the good? They'd come arter us, and there's no getting away. I say, shouted Ram, what are you going to do? Archie turned to the lieutenant. Take no notice. A day or two aboard will make him speak. The cow wants turning out to grass, shouted Ram, but no heed being paid to his words. Oh, very well, he said. I don't care. She'll die, and you'll have to pay for her. I wish my father knew. He need not have troubled himself to wish, for Farmer Shackle was lying down, hidden behind some stones on the top of the cliff, watching what was going on with his brow rugged. He had heard enough of the conversation after being attracted to the place by the action of his cows to know that the kegs had been discovered, and he smiled as he made out that his boy and man were quite staunch and would not say a word. "'Won't get anything out of them,' he muttered, as he watched the returning boats. "'Shall I tell old Graham?' "'No, that would only scare him. "'They'll land a party and come and search, "'but they won't dare go to the Hoos, "'so I'll leave the stuff there and chance it.' Having made up his mind to this, he lay behind the stones, watching till he had seen Ram, Jemmy, and the cow on board the cutter, and the boats made fast.' After which, as he could see that the lieutenant was busy with his glass, he waited his opportunity, got a cow between him and the sea, and then, with raised stick, began to drive the cattle from the neighbourhood of the precipice. His action seemed perfectly natural, and raising no suspicion in the officer's breast. Farmer Shackle was quite right, for it was not long before a boat, well filled with men, under the command of the midshipman and the master, put off from the cutter, and began to row west to the little cove, through whose narrow entrance a boat could pass to lie on the surface of a cup-shaped depression, at whose head a limpid stream of water gurgled over the cleanly washed shingle below the great chalk cliffs. Shackle saw them go, and guessing their destination chuckled, for in their ignorance the search party were going to make a journey of twelve or fourteen miles round each way, when any one accustomed to the place would have made the trip in less than two. "'Well, let em go,' said Shackle. "'But if they do find out, I'd better have my two boats out at sea.' And he thought of his luggers lying in the small cup-like cove. "'Nay, there's no hurry. People won't be too eager to tell em whose boats they are,' and I might want to get away. He remained thinking about his son for a few minutes, and then his countenance lightened. Tcha, he said, they won't eat him, and they can't do anything but keep him. They found three kegs, that's all. Wish I'd been behind the man who forgot em. He wouldn't forget that in a hurry. Farmer Shackle went home and saluted by the question, Found my tally? Yes, wife drowned no all right that was sufficient for mrs shackle who 
who had some butter to make. Meanwhile, the boat containing Archie Raystroke and Gurr, the master, with her crew, was rowed steadily along under the cliffs, the deep water being close up. It was a hot day and hard work, but the men pulled away cheerfully for a run ashore was a change. The opening into the cove was reached and the boat run ashore, and one man being left as keeper, the little well-armed party of a dozen men were marched off along the narrow road towards the Hoos. Archie was in the highest of spirits and meant to search everywhere in the neighbourhood of the ledge, so as to cover himself with glory in the eyes of his superior officer. Old Gurr, the master, who had been turned over to the cutter for two reasons, that he was a good officer and a man with a bad temper, found no pleasure in the walk whatever. Now he grumbled about his corns and said he never saw such a road, worse than an old sea beach. Then he limped with the pain of an old wound and lastly, he forgot all about his troubles in the solace he found in a huge quid of tobacco, with whose juice he plentifully besprinkled the leaves of the brambles that were spread on either side. The men tramped on, exciting the interest of the people of the little villages that were past, clusters of white rough-stoned houses by the roadside, whose occupants looked innocence itself, but there was hardly one among them who could not have told tales about busy work on dark nights carrying kegs and bales or packages of tobacco from the cliff to some hiding place in barn or cave. Old Gurr knew that, and he winked solemnly at the young midshipman. Nice chickens, Mr. Raystoke, he said. Where, Gurr? cried Archie, who was growing fast and wanted material to help nature. Let's get some eggs and take back. Eggs? grumbled the weather-beaten officer. I didn't mean fowls. I meant people. Oh, eggs indeed. Their eggs is kegs of brandy. Right, Nance, Holland's gin. I know them. They're all in the game. Keep on, my lads. Step together like the soldiers do. This here road's not the cutter's deck. The last order was not needed, for the men marched on cheerfully and well, till they had passed on the inner side of the high cliff where Ram had displayed his lanterns, and followed the rough road, came at last to the scattered cottages occupied by Shackle's men, and those who had once been servants at the Hoos, before it had sunk down in the world, consequent upon its masters having espoused the wrong side, and its servants were reduced to one old woman. As they reached the tiny hamlet, a short conference was held between Archie and the master, the latter in a surly way giving the lad a few hints as to his proceedings, every suggestion, though, being full of common sense. "'We've no right to go searching their places, Mr. Raystoke, but I shall make a mistake. They won't complain. They daren't.' "'Why?' "'Hands are too dirty.' if not with this job, with some other. So they halted the men, posted one at each end of the little place, so as to command a good view of any one attempting to carry off contraband goods, and went from house to house, the people readily submitting to the intrusion and search, which in each case was without result. Every one of the cottages being tried, the men were marched downhill after Archie, 
and stood for a few moments gazing out over the cliff to where the cutter lay at anchor with the farmer's boat trailing out astern and the air so clear that he could even see the cow tethered to a belaying pin just in front of the mast five minutes after they came upon fisherman farmer shackle himself leaning over his gate and smoking a pipe as he apparently contemplated a pig and wondered whether he would make it fatter than it was morning gentlemen he said as archie and the master came up and halted their men good morning said archie shortly stand aside please we must search all your places search my places squire captain i mean he aren't here who is not here are you not the master ay my lad but i mean him you're searching for ay missus yes came from within and mrs shackle appeared wiping her hands ain't seen a deserter missus have you cap'n here has lost one of his men if you'll let me speak i'll explain said archie sharply a cargo of contraband goods was landed on the rocks below the cliff last night and you don't say so master said shackle earnestly i do say so cried archie and you are suspected of having them concealed here me cried shackle bursting into a roar of laughter me mr officer do you know what i am no why i'm a farmer hi missus hear him young gent here thinks i'm a smuggler that is a good un, and no mistake archie was taken back for a moment but he caught the eye of the master who was too old over the business to be easily hoodwinked the young gentleman's make quite a mistake said mrs shackle demurely perhaps he'd like a cup of our mead before he goes and his men a drop a home brood ay to be sure cried shackle put out the bread and cheese missus and i'll go and draw a drink or two you'll take something too won't you master yes don't mind said gurr but i'd rather take a tot a right nance or hollands ay so would i said shackle with a laugh as his wife began to bustle about and get the knives and plates but you've come to the wrong place master i have heard a people getting a drop of em after they'd used their horses and carts but that's never been my luck has it missus no never said mrs shackle and to herself that's quite true you are very hospitable said archie shortly but i've got my duty to do sir it's an unpleasant one but we must search your place for contraband goods sarch oh i give you my word squire there's nothing here we must see about that well this here aren't very pleasant mr officer seeing as i'm a regular loyal servant of the king but there i don't mind if my missus don't object you won't mind old gal so long as they don't rip open the beds and chuck the furniture all over the place i should like to see any of them doing it that's all cried mrs shackle ruffling up like a great dorking hen who saw a hawk nothing about the place shall be injured madam said archie politely but we must search oh very well then said mrs shackle but i must say it's very rude pray forgive us said archie raising his hat we are his majesty's servants and we do it in the king's name mrs shackle responded with her best curtsey 
and a smile came back in her face as the farmer said, "'It's all right, Messrs. They're obliged to do it. Where will you begin first? What are you searching for?' "'Brandy,' said Archie. "'Oh, then, down in the cellar's the place,' said Shackle, laughing, and taking three mugs from where his wife had placed them. "'If it had been for silks and laces, I should have said go upstairs.' He led the way to the door at the top of some stone steps. "'One moment,' said Archie, and giving orders to the men to separate, surrounded the premises and searched the outbuildings, then stationing two more at the doors and taking one, Gurr, to search upstairs, he followed the farmer into a fairly spacious stone cellar where there was a cider barrel in company with two of ale and little kegs of elder wine and mead.' "'Sarch away, squire,' said Shackle bluffly, as he placed the mugs on the floor and turned the wooden spigots. "'That's elder wine in the little barrel. Say, you haven't seen anything of a boy of mine in your travels. My lad and one of the men have gone after a stray cow. I'm feared she's gone over the cliff.' "'They're all on board the cutter.' "'What?' "'Well, that is good news. Full up here. Done sarching, sir.' Yes, replied Archie, who began to feel more and more ashamed of being suspicious of so frank and bluffly hospitable a man. Come along, then. Your lads will be pleased as can be with a mug of my home brood. As he led the way to the door, the midshipman gave another glance around, seeing nothing in the slightest degree suspicious, and a few minutes after the whole party was being refreshed both officers quite convinced that there was nothing contraband on the premises. "'What other houses are there near here?' asked Gurr at last. "'Only one. The Who's.' "'The Who's?' "'Yes, Sir Risdon Graham's, yonder among the trees. Going up there?' "'Yes, of course,' said Archie shortly. "'Yes, of course,' said the farmer in assent. "'But I'd be a bit easy with him, sir.' "'Don't hurt his feelings. Gentlemen, you see.' "'Don't be alarmed,' said the midshipman quietly. "'I hope we shall not be rude to anyone.' He moved towards the door. After saluting Mrs. Shackle, the farmer leading the way and pointing out the nearest path up the steep slope. "'Belt my cow,' he said. "'I have no doubt that as soon as the lieutenant in command is satisfied that you had nothing to do with the smuggling, your people will be set at liberty.' "'And the cow?' "'And the cow, of course.' "'Thank ye, sir. That's good news. I'll go and tell the missus. Straight on, sir. You can't miss it.' "'Ah, my fine fellow,' he continued as he walked back. "'If it hadn't been for your gang with you, how easily I could have turned the key and kept you down in that cellar, where I wish I had your skipper too.' "'Oh, Blenheim,' said his wife in an excited whisper. How could you help them to go up to the Who's? They'll find out everything now. Perhaps not, missus. I sent them because if I hadn't, they'd have found the way. We may get off yet, and if we do, well, it won't be the first time. So, here's to luck. As he spoke, he opened a corner cupboard, took out a bottle of spirits, which had never paid duty, poured out and drank a glass. "'Thank you,' said a gruff voice. "'I think, if you don't mind, farmer, I'll have a little taste of that.' 
I came back to tell you that your cider is rather harsh and hard, not to say sour, and I'm a man accustomed to rum. As he spoke, Gurr, the master, stepped into the room, took the bottle from the farmer's hand, helped himself to a glass, and poured out and smelt the spirit. I say, farmer, he said, as he tasted, this is the right sort or the wrong sort, according to which side you are. Only a little drop given me by a friend. French friend, for any money, said the master, drinking the glass. Yes, that's right, Nance. I thought so from the first farmer, and I know now I was right. He went off again, and Shackle stood shaking his fist after him. And we got off so well, he muttered. I knew that rascal suspected us. Say me, Blenheim, retorted Mrs. Shackle. I've begged you hundreds of times not to meddle with the business, but you would, and I'm your wife and obliged to obey. Isn't Ram a long time bringing home that cow? Yes, said Shackle dryly. Very. End of chapter 7